Welcome, Mavs Nation, to MavsCast, the Sports Ethos Dallas Mavericks podcast. This is your host again, Hove Kissane, on Twitter at H-O-V-O-K-Y-O-S, show Twitter at Ethos Mavericks, and I'm coming to you on Saturday, morning after the Mavericks' second preseason game where the team played at home for the first and only time this preseason against the Orlando Magic. And, uh, yeah, there was uh, some players that didn't play in the first preseason game that ended up playing here. Uh, Pretty much the entire uh, Mavs rotation. There were 17 players that actually played today. Um... Davis Bertans was still out with his minor knee issue that he has. Uh, but, of course, we got to see Luca come back, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. come back, Maxi Kleba come back, uh, who didn't travel, the three of them, to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma for uh, the last game a couple days ago. But um, JaVel McGee came back uh, as well and started. So we saw a starting lineup of... Luca, the Bang Bros, Javel, you know, our typical starting lineup. But instead of Spencer Dinwiddie starting, we saw Jaden Hardy get the start after his incredible performance in the first preseason game on Wednesday against OKC. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where that comes from. Maybe just building on, uh, you know, the, the great performance that, that Hardy had over there. But, you know maybe just trying it out, staggering Spencer Dinwiddie from Luka and see how that works, Uh, you know, because they are going to be starting together. uh, As far as we know, they're going to be starting together when the season starts. Um, So, yeah, that was was a little interesting tidbit to see. Uh, The Magic, uh, still no Franz Wagner for the the Magic, who I reported from uh, the last episode, didn't play in their first game uh, due to rest, so... What the Magic did, they did not start uh, Jalen Suggs next to Cole Anthony. They started Terrence Ross, the veteran. Um, and then instead of their large lineup with uh, Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter, and Paolo Banquero as their front court, uh, they didn't start Mo Bamba. They started Okiki, presumably because of the smaller lineup of, uh, you know, of, of the Mavericks. So you had Okiki basically guarding uh, Luka as he brought the ball up the court, very good defender, but Luca's Luca. Luca did Luca things this game. Um, and, uh, you know, he played one half, as was reported before the game. He's only going to play in the first half. But, you know, his usual allotment of minutes, which is right up there, 18 minutes that he played. He played the full first quarter. Um, that's about the split that we expect to see. Um, during the season, you know, 18 minutes, 36 minutes total um, on average, of course. And he had an over-under of 14.5 points going into this game, you know, people knowing that he's only going to play one half. Uh, obviously, a lot of people still took the over, and he hit the over on that. He got 16, 3, and 5 assists with a steal and a block. Um, 
Yeah, Luca's good. I mean, what, what can I say that we don't know? So he was responsible for 16 of the Mavericks' first 19 points out the gate. So either scored or assisted on 16 of those 19 points. I mean, just a Luca masterclass in passing is the main takeaway that I had uh, from Luca this game. Um, he did his sort of usual scoring, not like, you know, not like Game 7 Suns uh, sort of scoring all over the place. He took more of a facilitating role and really just showed us why he's one of the best passers in the league without a doubt. And when I say one of the best, I mean, you know, top three. Like, I, I really have to think about who even the third is going to be. But um, in my opinion, uh, it's a Mavericks podcast, but in my opinion, Jokic is still the best passer in the league in terms of just accuracy the way he threads the needle the the trick and flashy passes just like full court one-handed passes um and the vision like the vision of course which luca's right up there with the vision as well uh there were a couple insane behind the back passes uh from luca here uh you know top top two passers in the league Jokic and luca in, in my personal opinion but um there was one where luca drove in he was on one end of the of the paint and just flicked this behind the back pass high speed behind the back pass to reggie in the opposite corner for a wide open three um crowd went wild for it reggie missed the shot and that's that's one of the things it's like I want to see more appreciation for these passes where people missed a shot, right? Because it's not, you know, it doesn't really say anything about the pass, whether the person missed a shot or not. So it was glad to actually see that in in the highlights that I saw because um, it really doesn't matter if he misses a shot, especially in preseason. But just the fact that, you know, we're getting to see Luca do these things is exactly why we want to see him in the preseason. We want to see as much of Luca as we possibly can, right? So he had that one that stood out. Uh, he had a couple. I mean, he had some, you know, from the, from the top of the three-point line, feeding it into Christian Wood in traffic um, and see Wood, you know, being patient, you know, faking it up there and going up for the dunk. Like that that two-man game with Luca and Seawood, even though, you know, Seawood is coming off the bench, those minutes that they're going to have together, very, very promising. Uh, but, man, Luca just had this insane pass um to uh actually javel of all people in the corner for three who he also missed not as much of a surprise but um i mean he had this insane behind the pack over his head pass back to uh uh to javel so what he did was like he he, he drove in to the baseline uh got the attention and Travel was left wide open for three right behind him so he knows Travel is there and he just drops the ball back like doesn't drop it into Travel's hands like that it wasn't like that accurate but just like bounces in front of Travel and he just puts it up obviously missed a three but um you put a guy like Luca who already coming into the league already what he had done in Euro League um at you know as a, as a teenager, basically, uh, winning a title over there, MVP, rising star, all that stuff. You put him 
next to or under the tutelage of Jason Kidd, who growing up as a kid, I'm using the word literally figuratively, but I literally thought Jason Kidd had eyes in the back of my uh, back of his head when I was growing up watching him as a kid, uh, especially in those Nets championship years. Um, some of the passes he was making, the the vision that he has, you gotta say, you know, like Kidd is responsible for at least some of it, if if not just like the motivation to get better uh, and do that. So. Very, very, very exciting stuff for Luca. It bodes really well for his MVP chances, who, which he's already the favorite for. But if you make these sort of flashy plays and get those highlights, that's what gets the MVP buzz going. That's a big part of the MVP buzz. This is what Jokic actually had to fight through and won the last two MVPs in spite of that, even though, in my opinion, Jokic has some of the craziest highlights out there. But... They're not like the ones that are being shown on House of Highlights as much as Embiid crossing someone over and shooting a three, right? Or a lot of what Giannis does or what, you know, LeBron's been doing, Westbrook in their years, Harden in in his MVP years, right? Or MVP candidate years, right? So bodes really well for Luka's chances of MVP if he's making plays like this. And then, of course, you know, excites everyone who's rooting for the Mavs uh, right now in terms of their team success. So I mentioned JaVale. Um, JaVale is looking exactly like what the Mavs got him for. He's doing all of the center things that Mavs want to see out of him. Now, it's just preseason, but I still stick with the notion that he shouldn't be playing like crazy minutes, uh, even though he's a starter. I'm perfectly fine with him being a starter, uh, like I've mentioned multiple times, like it doesn't matter to me too much who's like actually starting the minutes themselves and when they come later in the game are more important than when they come earlier in the game. Um, but, you know, I, I still don't want to see like Travel playing over 20 minutes in meaningful games like postseason games, uh, especially games where uh, Mavs don't have to deal so much with an interior threat. Um, but he's huge when he's on the court, his motor, it's like, it's like Dwight Powell with a ton more like physical ability, um, and just like the experience and, and I would say even craftiness, uh, than, than what we just can't see with Powell is just the pedigree, right? Um, I know there's a lot of Mavs fans that are just like constantly like thinking like singing their praises of like how Dwight Powell is now a third string center and we don't have to see him do it's like okay sure like we get it but you know how much um you know Powell gives up for this team and as a backup center it's perfectly fine but it's like JaVale is basically doing that now the whole like locker room atmosphere um putting it all on the floor for his teammates and everything but he gets tired like, that's just, I mean, put aside his age, he's just always been a player like that. And then, you know, come when he's facing, uh, you know, like elite interior threats, whether, you know, other centers or even someone like John Morant driving into the lane and drawing fouls. Travel's going to get a ton of fouls. He's not even going to be able to play that many minutes. So that's just one observation that I had with that. 
um, yeah, like I don't, I don't expect him to keep up this level of play for like 30 minutes a game. Uh, he played 11 minutes, which was the third least of 17 players that played this game. Uh, and then, you know, the other two guys are deep, deep backups, like fourth string players. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then, of course, he, he he came out earlier in the first. So while I mentioned like Luca and Wood were playing together in the first quarter, it's because Luca stayed on in the first quarter. Christian Wood came in for for Javale. Uh Actually, um, you had Dwight Powell also in the game uh, with Christian Wood too. So we did see that sort of double big um, lineups that that we want Christian Wood in. I don't know if it's necessarily Dwight Powell who we want it with. We want it at least with Maxi Kleba, who I expect to see it with. But uh, maybe we should see it with Christian Wood and Javale together as well. But we still we got a little taste of that. Um, Christian Wood at the four looked good. Um, I want to see more of that. Um, I mean, first, I got to talk about the offensive clinic that Christian Wood uh, put out there. He had 23 points on 8 of 12 shooting. Now, he only had two rebounds as opposed to the dozen rebounds that he had last game. But, man, he showed, he flashed, like, every offensive part of the game that we want to see out of him outside of like I don't know if I don't know if there was like any big alley-oop threats but there was definitely uh lob threats where he's not necessarily going for that alley-oop but they're lobbing it in over multiple bodies into the paint uh to Christian Wood baseline post moves that he put on Mo Wagner in I don't know if it was the third quarter he was like in the corner covered by Mo Wagner like in the corner like at the three-point line and just puts like a spin move and goes in and just like lets Mo like skate backwards and just puts it up with a soft touch like stuff like that as well as like spot up shooting he was he was drilling threes where he's like turning around and going back on defense before he even sees the ball go in like like Steph Curry right driving in I saw some people criticizing like why is he driving in like a point guard I mean if he can do it successfully why not when Luca's on the bench and you have basically Wood and Spencer I don't think Luca and Spencer will both be on the bench at any point but still like I mentioned like if there's an injury or something someone's resting for a game like why not have Wood do that he's a really good passer for for a big man in general um, and I think he's just a good passer, period. Uh, obviously not like a high-volume passer, but maybe he will be, at, uh, you know, if he's a six-man leading the six-man unit on offensively. So, um, yeah, he just he just showed everything. And I'll say this. For all we say about Christian Wood, and when I say we, I mean, like, anyone who comments on NBA, so, like, Houston fans, Detroit fans, people who aren't fans of any team that Christian Wood's been on, right? Or even myself, like what I said last episode about uh, his defensive performance uh, in the first preseason game. That's Those are the things that we really want to see him improve at in order to become a true all-star, in order to become a true co-star for Luka to carry this team to a title, right? Like there was a lot of conversations in the offseason from Mavs fans about, and you know, and analysts about 
Who is the second best player on the Mavs? Is it Christian Wood or is it Spencer or is it Dorian Finney-Smith? Right? If if Christian Wood puts those things together, he'll be undeniably the second best player on the Mavs. And he'll be someone who, you know, other people who are sort of underrating the Mavs would start looking and saying like, instead of, oh, Luca and a bunch of other people, it'll be Luca, Christian Wood, and then a good supporting cast. And like people will change their minds about the rest of the supporting cast if Christian Wood starts playing like an all-star. They'll they'll change from saying Luca and a bunch of other people to Luca, Christian Wood, and damn that, you know, rest of the supporting cast around them is great. It will change like that. So those are the things we want to see from him. Obviously, mainly defensively, I talked about screening and and things like that. And then some moments of ball hogging, maybe. But like I said, like that's sort of kind of what we want from Christian Wood anyway. And he, we know he has the offensive game to play off ball. He could get the putbacks. He could do the pick and roll, lob threat, like spot up shooting. We know he can do that. He doesn't need to ball hook. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. But, you know, just puts those few things together. He'll be an all-star. Um, but yeah, so... You know, he, he's looking every bit like he's going to eclipse what Kristaps Przingis did in Dallas and maybe even what Kristaps came to Dallas to do um, in that trade years ago. Because if you look at it, like, what what did the Mavs want uh, from Przingis? Uh, post-scoring, uh, three-point shooting, uh you know, Luka to feed him the ball like that. They they definitely wanted more like off-ball uh, offensive generation than uh, sort of what like Kristaps started becoming is like too much um, trying to score in the post by himself, uh, you know, him holding the ball too, too much. Um, and then, uh, you know, at times just not even being successful with it. And then obviously there's the injuries. Um, and then of course, defensively, they wanted him to be an elite rim protector, which he looked like he was on a trajectory of doing his first year or two in in New York. Um, but, you know, he was, he was just too slow to do anything other than get some blocks in the paint. And then he wasn't, he wasn't that great of a paint defender outside of just getting blocks, right? Which is sort of what we're saying about Wood. Wood is maybe a worse paint defender um, and probably a worse shot blocker too, but he's more switchable. Now, he has his own issues defensively, of course, but I think what we see from Christian Wood could definitely eclipse Przingis, and that should be very exciting for Mavs fans. If you want to think back to, you know, how you felt as a Mavs fan when 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 the Mavs brought Przingis uh, to Dallas and how excited you got, and then sort of the letdown, maybe gentle letdown, maybe like letdown over time that has you know, got, gotten us to the point of, you know, saying, you know, Bertans and Dinwiddie was a great trade for the Mavs <laughs> to get rid of Perzingis. Uh, like that, that's a huge change in what was expected from KP and, and how he left. Christian Wood could take the Mavs back to that point where they were excited when KP got there, right? And then some. And then some. So that's definitely what I see out of him. His defense, 
was more bearable today uh, than it I mean, it, it was just terrible in the first preseason game. So I think it was better today. He guarded uh, Paolo often. Like I said, he was playing the four. And Paolo's, Paolo's a powerful dude. He's first pick for a reason. Uh, even though he wasn't the consensus first pick, it looks like he's gonna he's gonna do some damage. Like he's gonna get drafted high in fantasy because he's gonna score a lot. But I think Christian Wood did an okay job. Now you want him to do better against a rookie, but I think he did an okay job. And I think a lot of that is due to him not being the center uh, while he was you know playing alongside Powell. So that just goes to a lot of things that I've just been saying for um, for most of the off season. Uh, Josh Green. Another huge name, uh, you know, that we've been talking about in this preseason. He cooled off a little bit offensively. Uh, he had, you know, some good cuts to the rim, uh, some high-flying, you know, converted on a high-flying alley-oop and all that. So still looks good. He wasn't, like, as flashy as as he's been. Um, but he brought it again defensively, just taking on those assignments, taking on the point of attack up high from the back quarter, you know, from half court, um, just being a pest and all of that. Like it's there, uh, diving for steals, diving for loose balls, putting it all out there and everything. Like we're seeing more of the Josh Green. Now he's not like continuing to do, you know, what we saw at like fan jam and everything, you know, just from this specific preseason game, but obviously he's not going to play like that every game. So, um, Still looking for good for Josh Green. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. had a few breaks on threes. Um, it'll get better. I mean, Tim Hardaway's had season-long, you know, great shooting percentages. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. He looked slow as an on-point defender. Like, he, he, he could get blown by easily if it wasn't, if it was like, uh, you know, pretty quick guard if he's guarding like a DeJounte Murray or Darius Garland or so on but I also don't see why he needs to guard uh those players like yeah sure in in some spurts but his defense is not too bad if the rest of the defense is clicking on all cylinders like if the rest of the team is playing like they did in in the playoffs last year particularly against the Suns and the Jazz um or even in that you know second half of the year run Tim Hardaway's going to be definitely a serviceable defender. I don't think he's going to be someone who is going to be like a glaring hole on this team who's going to like destroy their entire like defensive scheme, right? But he did look a little slow to me as a non-point defender, which is fine. Like he's going to guard more shooting guards, wings than a quick ball handler. Um, It's a great thing that Reggie Bullock's emergence came at the point that it did. And it looks like he's still just as solid now this year um as a defender so you got the bang bros over there you got you know spencer that could pick up some some people on um uh, at the point of attack so i'm not too worried about that but that's just an observation that i had uh frank nilakina great defense as usual took a very nice charge uh i want to see others learn from that uh as i mentioned in the last episode i want to see christian wood um you know, maybe start to take some charges in the paint if he's not, you know, if he's not going to be firm enough when someone attacks the basket and, and draws contact to him, why not draw a charge? Um, I want to see the team at least try to, you know, spread some of that technique that we're seeing from Frank 
to the rest of um, to the rest of the defenders, especially the ones that that need some help to get up to the level of the rest of the team. Uh, Jaden Hardy, I mentioned he started. Uh, he had an off night shooting. Uh, he still looks promising. Obviously, uh, he played a bit of good defense. Um, I've always said with Jaden Hardy, he his his effort on defense is great. Sometimes it's a little too much. Sometimes it's a little jumpy, but he played good defense. Um, you know, for for what we expect out of him at this stage, uh, he was aggressive attacking the basket. He had a he had a pretty scary fall after getting swiped in the head by Mo Wagner. Um, no flagrant was called. It, I think they said because it was an intentional, but um, Hardy ended up being okay, but it, it didn't look good. I mean, yeah, he got swiped in the head, but he landed like on his shoulder. Um, so it could have been bad, but uh, I know some Mavs fans are, are angry at Wagner for that. But uh, yeah, it did look questionable. I did think it should have been maybe a flagrant one on first look. Um, but there was a player that did get injured. Um, uh, another young guard that got injured, but it was on the Orlando side. Uh, Jalen Suggs, he had a big knee injury when colliding with um, with Doe, uh, but it was because Spencer pushed him. So they were, they were doing like an action where um, Suggs was cutting off ball and Spencer was right in front of him. So he sort of, you know, just tried to like push off him, um, pushed him right into Doe and Doe's leg was planted and extended out because he was defending the ball handler and um Suggs is basically they went shin to shin or almost knee to knee um and it looked like uh Suggs's knee extended back it, it, it didn't look good uh he was down for a while he was angry at Spencer uh for the push um he was down for a while but he got up he walked but he wasn't putting his own weight on it um he was being carried by others he didn't return uh the news coming out now this morning is he had a sprained knee capsule and a bone bruise there's no time frame for the return but there's optimism that you know it's not like ligament damage that's going to keep him out the whole year or anything of course um the magic are a candidate for the tank sweepstakes for Wembin Yama and Scoot Henderson um so we'll see how long they keep him out I mean i I mean, just clearly speaking, I would say, like, don't rush him back. Obviously, he needs the development, but he'll come back at some point uh, in the season. But, you know, if if he's ready to be back in two weeks, like, no rush. Like, keep him out five, six weeks as the Magic. I don't, I don't think they're trying to go for the playoffs this year. Um, I don't think they should either. But, uh, but, yeah, it was, you know, opinions on on Spencer was that a dirty play um a little bit like I didn't like it when when I saw it but um uh, happens on the basketball court obviously I, in my opinion he didn't, he didn't mean to do that but uh I could see how fans would be frustrated at that but I wouldn't say like just because like if you're a Mavs fan like don't just defend Spencer uh for that push just because he's on the Mavs and you're a Mavs fan, right? Like there, there are some character issues that we've seen with Spencer, whether it's, you know, he said, she said, you know, what happened in the Wizards locker room and all of that sort of thing. I'm still on Spencer's side, but, uh, you know, you don't, you don't like to see things like that. Uh, last player I 
wanted to talk about just a little bit was Tyler Dorsey. So I did forget to mention him last game and his poor showing that he had last game. I think it was 0 of 6 in the first preseason game. Um, man, there were some people going after him. That had a pitchforks out for him. Like, why did this guy come over to the NBA? He should have stick, stuck back in Europe and criticizing Mavs front office for picking up players like this. This is a low-risk player that is one of the better players in Europe that actually wanted to to come to America and play in the NBA and take on a role knowing like where he is in his development. Now, he's 26 years old, so he's uh, he's not very young. Um, anymore in terms of a player that you hope to to develop into a star one day but he's still a player that he's a role player that you want to develop into possibly a rotation player later you know like one of those um, you know one of those players that isn't high pedigree draft pick um, right out the gate which I totally believe Tyler Dorsey could could turn into a, a 3 and D role player at some point if he's given the right development so I think uh, Mavs fans should not uh, give up on him after one rough showing. Now, this game, he bounced back decently. I think he went... uh, Actually, I have it right here. He went... uh, Why am I not seeing it? He went 2 of 7, which is not great, but he did go 2 of 4 from the 3-point line. So, uh, he's still not impressing, but definitely not to the point uh of his play where you know people are like calling for his head or calling for nico's head for making this move like you take a risk on this player he's not going to crack the rotation for a long time um so i mean it it's fine but he's definitely not the ball handler that nico harrison suggested at his training camp interview which i covered in uh episode two um yeah, he could be a like break class in case of an emergency three and D player at some point um, if he gets the right development. Now there were over nineteen thousand fans in attendance at the American Airlines Center for this, the only home game of the Mavs preseason. Now the Mavs only have three preseason games in total. They got their first loss in the Jason Kidd era, but they're only five and one. They only played four preseason games last year and are only playing three this year. So there's only one preseason game left. No Mavs basketball for a week. Um, we'll see. Um, we'll see the Mavs come back against the Jazz on Friday as they go up to Utah. Um, and for that Jazz team, you're basically having uh, Jordan Clarkson's getting minutes, Colin Sexton's getting minutes, Jared Vanderbilt, Larry Markinen, um, Olinick, Beasley. So you know Mike Conley even. So pretty much seeing the lineup there. I don't know. I think West, uh, Walker Kessler has been blank too. Um, I definitely want to see him a little bit, but um, not too much to say about uh, that game versus the Jazz. Uh, I think we might see, you know, majority of the Mavs, you know, regular season starters playing this one too, just because it's a week off, but uh, that remains to be seen. It is a road game, so uh, we'll see about that. Um, I think I am going to do another uh, episode at some point catch up on some non-preseason stuff since we have seven days off um, so that should come in a, in a few days um, and yeah that's gonna be it for this episode talk to you guys later Peace.